You're listening to a message from Southview Church, located right outside of Nashville and Spring Hill, Tennessee. Now here's our featured sermon of the week. Today, we are also starting our 21-day fast. Come on now. Come on now. Some of you excited about that, Mary V? Excited. Some of you are excited about fast. You know why we're excited? Because we know that God does something great. We've been doing this as a church for many years now, and it's actually a practice that has dated back way beyond us. It's an ancient practice that Christians do. And even medical, medical science has now said, listen, fasting is good for you. Isn't that interesting? They finally caught on what God's been saying all along. It's a reset. Today we're resetting. So if you're not aware of this, if that's not in your routine, we want to invite you into this. You can, you can partake with this. I mean, you can actually join with us. There's a devotional that you should have received as well as we have a QR code. If you scan that, That's a a sermon I preached a little while ago about fasting. So if you're unaware of fasting, you've never fasted before, we want to help guide you, lead you, and equip you so that you can hear from the Lord. There's something great about fasting. I know you don't want to do it. That's the whole point. Listen, prayer without fasting is prayer. That's important. Fasting without prayer is a diet. But when you combine the two... I was going to say it's like peanut butter and chocolate, but that's the wrong thing to do when you start a fast. <laughs> Talk about food. When you combine the two, there is a power. And so I want to encourage you today. Some of my kids are fasting sugar. They're fasting their screens. That's good. Some of you are going to fast Instagram, TikTok, whatever. That's great. But fast food, not fast food. Fast. Some of you are like, I'm going to McDonald's. That's all. 21 days? That's good. I got this. No, no, no. I'm talking about not eating. Why? Because it denies yourself. And as you begin to hunger, it will direct you and remind you, Lord, I thank you that you are above even my hunger pains today. And it will remind you that he is in control. Amen. So we're doing something we haven't done before. We're sitting at 12 one-hour time slots to come here and pray together corporately. So every Tuesday and Thursday during these fasts for the next three months, three weeks, (laughs) to be like, dear Jesus, for the next three weeks, from 11 to 12 and from 7 to 8, we are dedicating an hour to come and pray and be part of this corporately. Well, how many know that fasting is a private thing, but also as we do this, it's corporate. And here's the good news. You want to hear good news? People all over the world are doing this. At this time, right now, it's a, it's a habit. Christians, churches are fasting right now. So you're joining in with the global church. How cool is that? Amen. So Lord, I just thank you, Lord, that we're going to do this. We're going to do this. There's no condemnation. Some of you may wake up one day, accidentally eat, forget. Listen, you just start again. It's okay. This is about a relationship going deeper and seeking God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. That leads me to our word for 2022 was deep. Discipleship, engagement, evangelism, and prayer. And I was asking the Lord, I was like, what do you want to do for 2023? And he said, stay right there because you ain't go deep enough. So today, as a church, for 2023, we going deeper. Turn to somebody and say, we going deeper. Deeper. You could, you could go, er, yeah, 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 yeah. We're going deeper. And the reality is, is every one of us in this room, we can grow in our discipleship, in our engagement, and our evangelism and prayer. And so today, let's do this together. Here's our mission statement at Southview. We are a diverse family of believers in Christ that know who we are, that's identity. We walk in our gifts, that's activation. And we share the love of Jesus in the places we reside, that's evangelism. We focus on scripture, 
We worship boldly. Come on, people. Come on, choir. We worship boldly. We walk in freedom. We believe in miracles, and we unite the church. That's who you are. That's who you are. Come on now. Come on, Claire. That's good. It's okay to shout. That's who we are. And the reality is we partner with churches all throughout this city, as well as our mayor, our police chief, our fire chief, those officials. We're partnering to see this city experience revival. So what is the culture of Southview? That's what I want to talk to you about today. There's three things. We unveiled this last year. And right in the middle as the circles intersect is where I hope that you and I are. It's family, it's presence, and equipping. And so today I want to talk to you about this culture. And I also want to talk to you about it because many times we think, well, I already know this, Pastor Mark. I've been here 13 years. I know what we're all about. But how many know sometimes you have to restate it over and over again until it becomes part of who you are. Sometimes we have to remind ourselves of simple scripture because we just take for granted that we know it, but we really don't know it. And so I want to encourage you today as I share this, it may be review for you, but let's make it part of who we are. Let's become this. And here's the deal. The title of my message is called Cultural Lies because there are lies that you and I believe that go against the culture of Christianity, goes against the culture of the kingdom. And the reality is, is we are sitting here today, some of us are believing lies that the enemy wants you to think is God's word. Some of you have been in church for so long and somebody around you said a slogan that you just adopted as scripture and you're still trying to figure out where it's at in the Bible. And you're like, I know it's in there. It ain't in there. Somebody made it up. And the reality is, is we have to learn what is truth and what is a lie. In, a, in an era of fake news, we have to understand what is real news. What is God's news for us? And here's the deal. As we grow up, we do this, right? Parents, we do this all the time. I don't want to hurt on any kids here today, but you should be in children's ministry. But the reality is we believe things and we tell our kids things like Santa Claus, the Easter Bunny, and Tooth Fairy. And the reality is, is if you really think about it, it's creepy. Because some kind of mystical creature comes in my bedroom at night and goes under my pillow and takes my tooth. What, what is he doing with my tooth? He leaves me a nickel. That ain't even exchange, bro. I've been growing that thing since I was two. Like I'm, like, I'm just like, that's weird. And then we have this idea, this big jolly elf guy coming through a little tiny, little tiny chimney. Logic, kids. Use logic. Some of you are like 15. You're like, really? That's not true? Yes, you should have looked at your chimney. Some of you don't even have chimneys. How did this happen? The reality is, is as kids, we believe this stuff. We believe there's an Easter bunny hopping around, dropping eggs. Listen, the only thing, I've seen a lot of bunnies in my yard. And by the way, they're not eggs and they're not chocolate. So here's the deal. Here's the deal. We believe this stuff. You guys are laughing, but some, at one point you believed it. And we believe it. And that's what we do with our walk with Christ. There's some mystolo mystological, there you go, mythological, mystical. I put it, I, I blend stuff. Put that down, Ashley. Mystological things. She's collecting all my words I make up. We got a long list. It's going to be a book one day. Anyway, the mystological things that we do, and I want to expose them. We ready for this? So under family, our culture, family, here's the first one. I want to address this. Singles, divorcees, and single parents aren't family. Now, some of you, listen, I know this because the church has done a poor job of making you feel like you belong. Because we have this idea when we say family, you think of a husband, a wife, and one point, at one point in 1960, it was 3.67. That was the size of a family. So a husband, a wife, a kid, and a 0.67 child. 
And then now in 2021, it's 3.13. So like we think like that's the family. But how many know that family looks different and we celebrate the stage in life that you're in? So if you're a single here today, and I'm not talking about 20s, I'm talking about maybe in your 30s, 40s, your family. Your family. If you've been divorced, your family. Listen, if you're a single parent, you belong. Like, I need, to, I need to go after this lie because Scripture says in Psalm 68, it says, God, he's the father of the fatherless and protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. God sets the solitary, the lonely in family. So no matter where you're at in life, you belong in the church. And I want to apologize on behalf of the church that has made you feel like you're second best. That you're not complete until you get married. This is only number one. I'm getting into it. I'm going to pray this prayer over you. I pray for healing and I rebuke the feeling of rejection, being excluded or feeling like an outsider. And today we say yes to family. However it looks, we believe that you brought people here today and you're part of the family in Jesus name. Number two, I can't afford to have a large family. <laughs> hear that all the time. Neither can we. I don't know how it happens. Maybe it's that tooth fairy dropping quarters under my pillow. I got a bill. Maybe I wake up and there my bill's paid under my pillow. I lost some teeth. The reality is, is you will always make an excuse. But scripture says twice, say twice, twice in the beginning of the Bible, once to Adam and once to Noah, be fruitful and multiply. So look what scripture says. Psalms 28, Psalms 128. 127. I'll get it. 127. I wrote it. I'll get it one day. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb, it's a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. I found out a quiver holds five, so I got two quivers. I can get you from either side. <laughs> He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemy at the gate. You know what that means? At the gate, we, we, knew, we, we learned this when we were in Israel. At every gate of a city is where they would deliberate on, on, on things. That they would have a judge or a king that would decide over matters. So what he's saying is when you have children, you won't be put to shame. They're going to stand up for you. And the reality is, as many of us in this room, we have to seek the Lord. Now, I'm not here to tell you have 10 kids like your pastor. I'm telling you to be obedient to what the God says. And don't make excuses because family is needed. And we, as the body of Christ, need to demonstrate to the world that family can be functional. Let me say that again. Family can be functional. God's provision is in your obedience to his plans. This is my prayer. Lord, show us the beauty of faith and faithfulness for your provision in your obedience when it comes to family. I believe even people in this room today, there's some people in this room, they're going to have babies this year. Jesus' name. Anybody believing for a baby? You're not, you're, not, you're not left out of this too. I'm believing that God will do a miracle in your life. We're standing with people in this room and we've seen miracles take place in this place. The next one, dysfunctional family breeds dysfunction. Woo, woo, woo. Look what Jesus said in John 8. He said, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you are free indeed. You are not a sum of your dad or your mom. 
You are not indicative of the depression that was passed down to you. You are not going to be a drunk because your dad was a drunk and your grandpa was a drunk. You're not getting cancer because your aunt died of it. I'm breaking everything that you believe to be your future. And I'm here to tell you that God himself breaks every curse. Jesus broke every curse. He put it in the grave and it did not come out. So do not dig it up. Do not believe a lie. I'm telling you right now, a true son and daughter of the king has been given the power to break every, hear me, dysfunctional characteristic off themselves. This is your legacy and your legal right as a child of God. So today my prayer is thank you, Holy Spirit, for breaking off every curse, every bondage, or every family trait that isn't from your kingdom in Jesus' name. Next lie that we believe about family is real unified diversity is unobtainable. And I'm telling you, that's a lie from the pit of hell. And here's the deal. Listen to me. There's nothing that this nation or any organization can do to unite people. The only way people get united is under Christ, in Christ, in Christ. So all of these organizations trying their best, getting a little bit of momentum, it will all fail. Because I want you to know that the kingdom of darkness wants unity to look good, but the reality is it's all leading to death. When we line ourselves up with the kingdom of God, unity in diversity becomes reality. And I don't know about you, but I looked at my choir, I looked at this worship team, and there's a lot of diversity in this place. And that's the way heaven should look. And the church should not settle for anything less than that. Romans 12 says, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lonely. Never be wise in your own sight. And here's the deal. God gave us a picture in, in the future, and I believe it's for now. Revelation 7. After this, I looked and behold, a great multitude, no one can number, from every nation, from all the tribes, peoples, and languages. You best believe people didn't understand each other. They didn't get each other. But what did they rally around? They rallied around the throne around the king. And look what they said. They were clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and they cried out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to God who sits on a throne and to the lamb. This is only obtainable through Christ. That's it. That's it. And the church should grab a hold of this and not settle for anything less. I'm tired of all white churches. I'm tired of all black churches. I'm tired of all old churches. I'm tired of all young churches. It is an absolute design to divide us as the kingdom. And we are better together when we rub against people that sharpen us. So I will live and fight for this till the nth degree. I want to talk to you about this racism piece. Because the reality is the culture tries to divide us even though it looks like they're uniting us. It's a lie. I'm going to give you some examples in history. The Nazis destroyed 6 million Jews in the 1930s and 40s. And guess what? Their skin color was very similar. In 1994, the genocide in Rwanda between two tribes, ethnic groups of sub-Sahara Africa, they had the same color of skin and killed millions. The war between Pakistan and Bangladesh in 1971, listen to this, people shared the same skin color, the same religion, but they fought over different culture. 
So you don't tell me one thing, I'll tell you this, it's a designed demonic attack against the unity of the body of Christ. Some of you know that when we come together in our diversity and we're unified, the kingdom is advanced. Listen, I know one thing, it was the Pentecost, it was the upper room when people were there together, all different people, but they claimed Jesus and they waited and the Holy Spirit came and revival took place. I am so fixated on this idea that we can come together under the cross. Anything that separates the church and its people is demonic and we need to stand against it in justice and equality, we will stand against this. This is my prayer. Holy Spirit, continue to make us unified and diverse church. That takes time, listen, to listen to one another, to learn from one another, and to love our brothers and sisters. And may it not be an option, but a mandate. And may this church and the body of Christ model it, and may it be our goal in Jesus' name. Another cultural lie is I'm doomed to be forever depressed. I just picked three scriptures out of here. There are so many scriptures that can bring you hope. Let me say this to you today. There are people in this church right now that you're dealing with depression, anxiety, stress. You've had thoughts of suicide, but I have good news for you. There is a lie that says you will live with this forever. That is a lie from the pit of hell. I have good news for you. I have good news for you. First Peter 5, 7, casting all your anxiety, stress, worry on him because he cares for you. Psalms 34 says, when the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears them and he delivers them out of all their trouble. The Lord is near to you when you're brokenhearted and he saves the crushed in spirit. When you're going through it, he's closer than ever before. Amen. Philippians 4 says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything that you go through by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Let your requests be known to God and the peace of God which surpasses your mind, your understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That is your legacy. You are not a statistic. Listen to me. You are not a statistic. You're not doomed to fail. You're not, your destiny is not suicide. I'm telling you right now, God broke the curse and God did not make you broken. What society broke, he fixes. And so, Lord, I pray this right now. God, you give us a sound mind. Put your hand on your mind, right? Everybody. I don't care if you say you struggle or not. God, you give me a sound mind. I break off every lie that would cause you to operate in fear, and I speak the supernatural manifestation of hope to rise up in you in the places that feel insecure and fearful. And listen to me. Fear is not your future. In Jesus' name. That's just some lies about family. Let's talk about some lies about presence. God doesn't speak to me. Some of you believe that. I'll give you some scripture. John 10 says this, my sheep hear my voice. Pause for a moment. The word voice, the Greek word is phone, which means it's a sound. They hear my voice. You hear the sound, a tone, speech, and I know them and they follow me. And I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. That's what God's saying about you today. John 8 Jesus says this, whoever is of God hears the words. Now, some of you may say, well, that's the scriptures. No, the word actually used here is the rhema, which is the spoken word, the spoken word. Those that hear the spoken word of God, they're children of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you're not of God. If you're of God, God speaks to you. Let me just put it in simple terms. How many people would say they, they speak more than one language? Raise your hand if you speak more than one language. Raise your hand. Come on now. All right. Now, here's the interesting thing about it. You didn't wake up one day and just start speaking it, right? You had a dominant language and you learned a second one. 
And when you learn the second one, you would learn a word or two. You'd get it messed up. You, you pronounce it wrong. But what would happen is you'd start to develop another language. You'd start to develop how to hear another language. And you know what they say? The best way to learn a language is to put yourself in the culture. So if you want to hear God and you want to know the Holy Spirit, you got to be in the right culture. You got to be in a place where the presence is moving and people are operating in the culture so that you can know, am I hearing from God? Oh yes, you're hearing from God. And let me just say this to you today. You want to know if you're hearing from God? What he says to you lines up with what he wrote to you. Let me say that again. What he says to you lines up with what he wrote to you. And the reality is many of us, we are listening to words from people that claim to be a prophet that are far from God. And I say to the church today, beware. Paul talked about it all throughout the New Testament. He said there's false prophets. So some of us are waiting for a prophetic word from someone for 2023. You know who you can get a prophetic word from? The king of glory. He can speak directly to you. And he don't charge you. It's not like Miss Cleo, you got to dial in. Come on now. Some of you know about Miss Cleo. Hey, come on now. Some of you call Miss Cleo. You need to say, Jesus, I'm sorry. But the reality is, is this is good news because the King of glory, the creator who only spoke to the prophets in the old Testament freely speaks to all of you. And this is the reality is, is many people still don't believe this. So I pray today, Holy spirit, please silence the noise. Tune our ears to hear you more clearly and precisely. And I'm saying to you today, if you need to hear God more, get in the right culture. And let him speak to you in these next 21 days and radically change your life. Amen? Amen. Here's another cultural lie about presences. Prayer is for professionals. It's easy to be in a culture where people can pray, right? You got people like Naisha. You got people like Eric. You got people like Pastor Edwin. You got people like Rachel. You got Pastor Josh. You got Pastor Mark. You got Leanne. You got all these people. They pray and they're eloquent. And then you go, I can't pray like that. Good, don't. We don't need clones in prayer. In fact, Jesus addressed that in Matthew 6. Look what he says. He says, when you pray, go in your room, set up your Instagram account, and go live with it. Let everybody see how you pray. No, he didn't say that. He said, go in your room, shut the door, and pray to your father who's in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. Let me, let me show what you can do. You can get into a place with the Lord and pray in a place of vulnerability. You don't have to go to God and go, God, Father God, I feel so stirred today. Maybe that's how you talk. That's great. But for the rest of us, we probably go in there going, God, I don't hear you. God, I'm angry right now. This has been a bad week, and I have a problem right now. Do you know you can come to God like that? If you didn't th know that, read Psalms. David did it all the time. He said, where are you? Why you leave me out here? Where's my help? That's how we talk to people that we're in love with. We're real. I want to remind you, because some of you have been brought up in a church where you were told that you got to go these and thous, and you're not right enough to pray. And I'm telling you, God wants to break that stigma off your life. That's a religiosity that needs to be broken, and you need to walk in freedom. And it says, have a conversation like a friend. Jesus wants to talk to you like a friend. And here's the deal. Matthew 6, the whole context of that is Jesus is addressing all these hypocrites. And guess who the hypocrites were? The church. He said, man, you guys all know the, you know the Torah. You read it out loud. You have it memorized. Big deal. You don't live it. Just go in your room. Close the door and pray in secret. That matters more to God than what you're doing. And smack dab at the end in verse 15, 14 and 15. Listen to this. He says, 
For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you. There's something interesting about forgiveness and prayer. And so let me remind you, as you enter into your 21-day fast, may the first thing you do is come before the Lord and say, Lord, I forgive so-and-so. I forgive my father. I forgive my boss. I forgive my spouse. I forgive my parents. Whatever it is, get that right so when you walk into prayer with God, there's no heaviness. Mm. So my prayer today is Jesus teaches to pray. Teach us to pray like you taught your disciples so that when we pray and believe for radical prayers and faith-filled declarations, may we not be a silent, prayerless church. In Jesus' name. Oh, this is a good one. Don't you like when pastors say this is a good one? You wrote it. Like, that's... Would you, here's a bad one I wrote. I'm going to throw it out there. Hope this works. Here's a cultural lie. Emotions have no place in a mature encounter with God. Some of you have been taught to come in here, be emotionless. Men, you deal with this more than women do. Women, you got this all lock. You could cry. I mean, that's what you do. That's why you have mascara that doesn't drip because it, that's all you do is cry. Women, just kidding. Just kidding. Don't, don't use that. I, I was kidding. I really am speaking to everyone here today because look what scripture says. Ecclesiastes 3, 4 says, there's a time to weep and there's a time to laugh. There's a time to mourn and there's a time to dance. See, some of you get excited about things, you know? If your Titans would have beat the Jaguars last night, you would have screamed and hooted and hollered, wear your Titans gear to church. But because you couldn't defeat Trevor Lawrence and the greatest Super Bowl winning coach of all times, thank you, dad. Some of you too slow. That's football. Okay, anyway, the point of it is, you will shout and praise God when you're in the stadium, but when you come to church, you're more reserved. Why? Why is that? This is much better than a football game. This is much better than winning, oh, come on now, this is much better than winning a million dollars. This is the king and the creator of everything. He deserves everything. And I want to say to you this, Proverbs 15, 13 says, a glad heart makes a cheerful face, but by sorrow of heart, the spirit is crushed. Romans 12, 15, rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. This week we watched a man in tip-top shape die on a football field, and the whole nation rallied around him. People that didn't even say Jesus were on their knees praying to God. Jesus was declared, people were praying, and a miracle took place. And you want to know something? Who was, you know who was trending on Twitter this week? Jesus Christ. People were searching for Jesus. I'm telling you right now, if that doesn't fire you up to be full of the Spirit, there is a time right now in history where people are searching for Jesus and they don't need a cold, hard, stoic Christian telling them it's fun to be a Christian. Come to my church. It's going to be great. I don't want to go anywhere you go. I want to tell you this. Listen, if you're a... <laughs> if your emotions aren't connected to your encounter with God, you're a divided vessel. Let me say that again. If your emotions aren't connected with your encounter with God, you're a divided vessel. How do I know? Because you are a spirit that has a soul that lives in a body. And so if you have an encounter with God in the spirit, your body and your soul, that's your mind, your will, and emotions should be changed. Don't tell me you're having a breakthrough in the spirit and you're sitting here like this. 
If you are having a breakthrough in the spirit, you should, oh, I'm sorry, Chris. You should be excited. And, and, and here's the deal. People go, oh man, Pastor Mark, he's crazy. He's all over the place. I just don't care what people think. I realize if God did something for me, I'm going to weep up on the stage. I don't care. I don't care. This man had an encounter. And his reality is, is when he's doing that, you feed off of that. And some of you in this room, I'm telling you, by the spirit of living God, I feel it. You're like, I wish I could encounter God like that. You can. You can. You got to break through that. Some of you were raised by a dad that said, real men don't cry. That's, that's not true. Because guess what? The most realest of men in the world was Jesus, and he being put in the scripture, I wept. We're trying to debate, well, was he weeping over Lazarus or people's unbelief? I think he just wept and people put it in there. So we would go, oh, Jesus had emotions. Some of you need to be reminded. It's okay to have an encounter with God. And men, let me say this. This is I'm, I'm laying it on men. This I'm sorry, men. I'm one of you. I'm laying it. But like some of you, you, you expect your wife to have the encounter for you. And, and you just be like, you know, she, she's, the, she's the spiritual leader in the house. Are you serious? Like Jesus wants to break through in your life in 2023. And I'm telling you, <laughs> there's something on men. That when they have a real encounter with God and they're not afraid to show it. So I'm going to encourage you. Be a real man. Like David. Like Jesus. And let your emotions in check. Jenny said this in the first service. She said emotions are not supposed to be locked in the trunk of your car. And they're not supposed to drive your car. I thought that was a great analogy. Don't lock your emotions away. Don't let your emotions drive you because how many know I've been in church? We grew up in a church where it was very emotional driven. I'm saying let your spirit drive your emotions in your body. Because if you let your emotions drive you, you're going to come in here a hot mess and you're going to just say that's the Lord and it's not. It's your emotions. God's angry with the church. No, you're just having a bad day. Relax. But when we truly get centered in God and in the spirit, our emotions and everything else, our mind, our will are transformed. God, release us to have a full encounter in a way that every part of our being is touched by you. Wake up men to have an encounter with you. This last section of culture is equipping. And one of the cultural lies we believe is discipleship and evangelism is scary. And it is. Why is it scary? Well, first of all, we know we're supposed to do it. Because Jesus says it in Acts 1.8. He says, you're going to be, receive power, Holy Spirit. You're going to be witnesses all over the place. And then in Matthew 28, he says, all authority has been given to you on heaven and earth and go and therefore make disciples. So we know we're witnesses and we know we're supposed to make disciples. But why don't we do it? Because we don't want to put ourselves out there. We want to be vulnerable, face rejection. This nation is coming after Christians. Did you know that? What, like what the things that you believe in here? At some point, this will be called terrorism. I'm sorry to tell you that. Read the revelations. You won't be surprised. But the reality is, is this is truth and this is life. And the world needs this. And we are going to see more and more radical people like Saul become Paul in these days. And so it requires us to be the mouthpiece at Target in aisle 12. So I know I get it, man. For some of us, sign me up for a Mexico trip. I'm going to go off on evangelism. But put me in Spring Hill, I'm scared. Because I got to see this person at work. 
The reality is, is we can do it out there, but we can't do it around here. And we got to break that because these people here need Jesus. And here's the good news. You got scripture up there. I left it up there so you could look at it. Fear not for I am with you. Be not dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. And I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That's a sign of authority. Who sits at the right hand of God? Jesus. Where's right hand? The right hand is a position and proximity. It's authority. It's power. God upholds you with authority and power. And then he says this to Joshua. And let me just say, it still applies today in 2023. Have I not commanded you, Southview? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For what? The Lord, your God, is with you wherever you go. Aisle 12 at Target, he's with you. And I told the Lord, you know this. I was complaining about the traffic one day. I was like, maybe not one day, maybe every day, maybe a lot. Okay, the reality is I'm driving down 31, and I'm like, God, these people all over, they keep coming. And God says, what are you complaining about? I brought the harvest to you. I'm bringing the harvest to you, and you're complaining because you're delayed in traffic. And I said, Lord, I'm sorry. You, you got to give me your eyes. So I'm asking for myself. Your pastor is saying, God, give me the heart of compassion. When I want to just dip into Kroger and dip out, how many know that's reality? God, get some eggs and get out. But God has someone right there and you know they're weeping. They need Jesus. And you feel the anointing of the Holy Spirit, but you just want to dip out. And you're like, I can't. And you go back and you minister to them. And it was exactly what God wanted you to do. You were obedient. And guess what? For some reason, you got the milk on sale now. I don't know. Something happens miraculously. How many know we need help with our food? Jesus' name, help us. Cereal will be up at $8. Jesus' name. But how many know the people in the supermarket are more important than the food? <laughs> Let's not be scared. Jesus, give us boldness and courage to share your gospel and raise up a generation that runs further than we could. Young people, if you're under the age or you're 20, 25, under 30, man, we champion you. This is a safe place for you. Generation that's coming up, we, we want to, we wanna, as older people in this room, we want to say yes to you. We want to come alongside of you, and we want to cheer you on from the side. We're like, we're, we're running with you. We may not be able to run as fast. Some of us, we, you know, we got bad hip, but, but we're running with you. We're cheering for you. How many know that's what we need to see, a generation that isn't scared of evangelism? that isn't scared to share their faith and raise up disciples. Another cultural lie is being equipped can take a lifetime. I know you never said this. I've said this before. When I finally get there, I'll do this. When I finally learn these things, I'll start a ministry. When I finally get enough of the word, if I get more mature in my walk with God, I will step out of the boat. But look what it says in Hebrews. Say, now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you, he's equipping you, with every good thing that you may do his will. And look at this, working in us. That's a present tense, ongoing process. So is that a cultural lie that being equipped can take a lifetime? Yes and no, and I'll explain why. Because there's some people in this room that God has just revealed himself to you and you're ready to go. Because the reality is hunger drives your maturity. The more hungry you are of God, the mature, more mature you will be. I've met people that have been saved for 30 years that barely know scripture. But I also know people in this room 
that have served the Lord, have seen miracles, have experienced God's goodness. And you know what? You are a father and mother of the faith. And there is something about being in the faith for a long time. Like, like those of that get saved right away, they're having this newlywed kind of experience with God and everything's roses and blue. And, and then there's some of you, you've been there, done that. You've been at the mountaintop, you've been in the valley. You've seen God raise people from the dead and you've seen people die. And there's something about that maturity that we need. So this particular cultural lie, I'll say it's true and it's not. And the reality is wherever you're at with God, you're ready. Wherever you're at, you're ready. You're ready. There's a war going on. And it didn't ask if you were ready. It's happening. And so we're asking you, will you sign up? Will you be the kingdom? Will you represent life and hope and peace? God, my prayer today is, Father God, we are not afraid of the process that it takes to be more like you. And we may not... And may we not wait to be the finished product before we operate in our gifts and callings. This last one is my favorite. The gifts of the Spirit aren't for today. Now, if you've been in here any length of time, you know that's not true. In fact, I've seen too many things to not believe in the gifts. But I know this, as the church, the gifts are only as good as the fruit. And I'd rather you be filled of fruit than be walking around prophesying to people. Because your gifts operate best when the fruit is in season. <laughs> I wish somebody would teach this to some of these prophets. Some of these people walking around giving people words, just messing their life up. Writing books, don't come true. Are you going to give the money back to all the people that bought the book? I don't know. I feel like that's only fair. See, the reality is, is we got a lot of people profit, profiting off of the things that they've been given. But if we would put an emphasis on the fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, the gifts of the Spirit would flow cleanly. Come on, you would prophesy, you'd have faith, you'd have discernment, all from a clean place. And God would do something in you. And for some of you in this room, you are experiencing that. And I'm so thankful that you're not fearful of walking out of the boat like Peter did. 1 Timothy 4 says this, do not neglect the gift that you've been given which is given to you by prophecy and the councils of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Now listen to this. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teachings. Persist in this. Accountability. Looking at his word. Knowing his word. If you persist in this, by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Holy Spirit, today I pray you would release your power and your authority upon us in a new way that we can be vessels that you can use to do supernatural and miraculous things in us and the places we reside in. We believe this year, I believe, Leanne, we believe as a leadership that this year we will see more of God moving than we've ever seen before. And I'm committed to you to documenting these miracles, these testimonies, because we believe that when we share the testimonies of God's goodness, it releases faith. So I want to turn your attention to the TVs for a testimony from our friend, Miss Esther. Hi, I've been attending Southview Church for about a year now. I came here last year in July. Um, I came from California um, and moved in with my daughter and my son-in-law because they've been taking care of me for the past seven years uh, because of my illness. And so when they moved here, they decided to bring me along so that I can 
you know, be cared for. So I came and my daughter said the church was wonderful. I walked in and I absolutely loved the church. And I just remember Pastor um, bringing his word and then saying, you know, we just need to stop for a minute. I feel like there's people here that need prayer um, for all kinds of things. Um, so he called us up to do prayer and I went up hurting. I was in a lot of pain that day that I came and um, couldn't raise my hands, kind of hobbled up to the front and they just um, prayed for everybody that was up there. And I remember lifting my hands up as far as I could, um, just to my waist. And then my hands went up a little bit higher and then my hands went up a little bit higher and then pretty soon my hands were above my head, just praising God. I knew in that moment that God had done something in my life. Um, I have been with an illness, or had been with an illness for 22 years, um, was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis, fibromyalgia, connective tissue disorder. They tested me from MS, they tested me for lupus. They couldn't really figure out what the illness was. But 22 years of being sick and in pain, not being able to walk, um, my mind going, my speech going, not being able to drive over the period of time, the 22 years. And after that prayer, I knew God had done something in my life. He had healed me because now for the past eight months, I have had no medication, which was 15 medications I was taking. My hips were hurting, I was on Vicodin, I was getting cortisone shots in my hands and in my shoulders. None of that has had to happen. My doctor in February said she didn't see any indicators of any of the diseases that they had told me that I had for 22 years. I believe that God has healed me completely. God says if you ask of me, I will do it, but you have to have a heart for God and you have to do what is in His Word. <clears throat> and I believe that I came to that conclusion five years ago and have been just praying for a miracle. And that miracle happened last October. And I've had no pain. I've been able to walk. I've been able to lift my hands. I can see clearly. I can think clearly. I can talk to people and um, to be able to get out and play with my grandkids three hours on a slip and slide never had happened before. I know God has healed me. I have the victory and he has the glory. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this message. Southview Church is a non-denominational, multi-generational, multicultural community of believers passionately pursuing Jesus, family, freedom, and unity in the body of Christ. If you would like to connect with us, visit us at southview.cc and follow us on Facebook and Instagram.